Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, joined again by Danny Russell. Danny, how's it going, man? Oh, I am delighted to see what Santa put under the tree. We do have news. Now, we were probably supposed to record this a couple of days ago. We were going to talk about the Rule 5 draft and the Nate Lowe trade from last week. But let's start with today's breaking news. The Rays have reached a one-year agreement with Mike Zanino with an option for 2022. So when the Rays kind of purged the catching core, Mike Zanino seemed like that was always on the table to bring him back for one more year. Kind of the same thing they did last year. But Danny, again, another disappointing season at the plate for Mike Zanino. Like, what are your thoughts on on this move? I I legit don't care what he does at the plate. His job, his role, his responsibility is to have a fantastic relationship with the pitching staff and to make the defensive plays that he needs to make. Um, Now, whether or not he should be a primary catcher is a separate discussion. But I think Mike Zanino, as an up to 50% role, with the pitching staff having the legacy experience the last couple of years being the World Series catcher, bringing him back is exactly what they needed to do. Turning this into a situation where you actually save, what, 1.5 million, I think. Uh, yeah. It looks like the deal is going to be for two and a half million and a team option to do it again. This is perfect. This is exactly what the Rays should have done other than bring him back at just the option he had, right? Uh, which I think was 4 million. I mean, this is a lot similar to last year's deal where they came to an agreement for a, you know, a, a t- for, for a contract for 2020 with an option for 2021. They declined that option, brought him back for even cheaper. So I guess keep taking a flyer on Mike Zanino. But like you said, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think this is one of the best moves they could have made. The defense, especially in the postseason, was really solid out of Mike Zanino. He locked in. And he had like, I think one game or, well, he had the pass ball in game six of the world series. I think it was scored <laughs> as a wild pitch, but other than that, he, he was amazing. And one of the best players on the team, one of the most important players on that whole run. And if you look at the rest of the catchers that are out there, both in free agency and potentially via trade, I know JT Morgan in the uh, SB nation offseason Sim went out and got Mitch Garver in a trade, but outside of JT Realmuto, there's not really any, standouts and, and that's probably uh, the that's, case most well, years. <clears throat> for what the Rays need there are plenty of options that are, are, are perfectly reasonable and acceptable there are two of note one would be uh Jason Castro mm-hmm. now I think uh he's a little bit of a white whale for the front office he has <laughs> uh been courted a couple times and that's not come to pass so maybe he doesn't want to be in Tampa Bay that's within the realm of possibility the other would be Tyler Flowers and as long as the uh, Braves don't, you know, drop their money on the table, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit tired of them uh, swooping in for, you know, raise targets at this point. Uh, hopefully they don't take another catcher like they did Travis Darno. But um, Tyler Flowers has been the Braves catcher the last couple of years. He's only 35. He's got to be willing to accept a one or a one-ish deal, some similar to the time frame that Zanino's on. Fantastic veteran with great defense. I, I, if the at the end of the day, if your catching tandem is Flowers and Zunino or Castro and Zunino, you had a really good year in free agency at catcher, and this is half of the way there. I think yeah. I think you can be very happy with either of those combinations. Yeah, and you talk about upgrading this team. You and I have talked about this. You know, after you go after you win the American League pennant, expectations are raised. Last year, the catching core was Zunino, Perez, and Smith. Now, let's say they go out and get either Castro or Flowers, which isn't guaranteed. If you look at the catching room then, 
That's an improvement. That's an upgrade on a team that was really good. And it's really hard to upgrade really good teams. If they go out and do that, I think that's fine. The last thing I want to talk about with the catchers, you always hear the word thrown around, is he a starting catcher? Now, I don't know how many starting catchers actually exist in baseball today or players that are good enough to be considered starting catchers. You see a lot more 60-40 split between the innings, sometimes even a 50-50 split. What do you think about Mike Zanino? Let's say they bring in a Castro or a Flowers. Do either one of those guys become the starting catcher or is it more of a, of a split? Yeah, it's going to be a split. Uh, I would agree with you. JT Realmuto has got to be the only free agent that you would look at and say, yeah, I'm really happy with him catching five out of six. Right. You know, maybe James McCann, he already signed with the Mets. He got a four-year deal out of the Mets, which was aggressive. <laughs> that seems <laughs> like mean, a traditional guy, Mets but, uh, move. That... Like, even though they got the new ownership and new GM, that seems like a very LOL Mets hey, move. Hey, Jared Porter didn't happen until yesterday, so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that works out. But, yeah, it, it, the... I don't know. The Rays could go out and get Castro. It's the name that's kind of been thrown around a lot. So it feels like at some point it'll happen eventually. If it's not this year, maybe next year uh, in terms of bringing Jason Castro to St. Pete. But we'll see. The The move that we do got to go back to and kind of uh, talk about is a decision that had been looming for about a year. Nate Lower, G-Man Troy at first base. And for the time being, they go, they go with G-Man Troy and they move Nate Lowe to the Texas Rangers in a deal that brought them back. Heriberto Hernandez was the biggest prospect coming back. A catcher, an outfielder, not really sure where he's going to get. End yeah, up at the big it's, a, it's a prospect in the Texas system. It's, yeah. a, it's a player who doesn't have a defensive home uh, for sure. But yeah, uh, that was the key decision. You needed to decide, are we rolling with G-Man Choi, who has become a face of the franchise? Yeah. Although I don't think the front office maybe factors that heavily into the decision definitely um, not <laughs> or do you roll with your in-house option which is nate low and we know from from experience in the playoffs which choice they made choice mm -hmm. hey is that a pun can be now We're, we love puns on the podcast years we're rolling with it um nate low expectations uh for <laughs> oh, no. the prospect all right anyway uh yeah i mean nate low is fine First base prospects are an anomaly in baseball. Uh, first base is where players kind of like end up, not what you develop as. And the right. Rays in this deal actually send two first base prospects to Texas. There was uh, a complimentary yeah. piece from like rookie ball. But Nate Lowe had prospect trade value. G-Man Choi did not. He did not have significant trade value. So just on its face, which one will the Rays cash in? It's very easy to cash in Nate Lowe. And what we understand of last season, the trade deadline, the Rays did heavily shop Nate Lowe trying to get a piece back. Uh, we put on the site, the dream scenario was getting a high leverage pitcher back like Josh Stallman. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. Obviously uh, it wasn't there. Um, you know, and I think the Rays were probably shopping Nate Lowe as if he were a very fine asset. Um, you know, if they called in on a pitcher like Clevenger, who was available at the trade deadline and was moved. I imagine those phone calls started with Nate Lowe. Here's the piece we're moving. They're not making phone calls saying we're considering moving Bruhan, for instance. Right. They were trying to move Nate Lowe. It didn't work out. We actually saw Nate Lowe make an appearance in the postseason. That's fine. He was great injury insurance. He was also taking up a spot on the 40-man roster. And if you couldn't trade Nate Lowe one for one for a blue chip prospect, a blue chip for a blue chip, in my opinion, 
even though first base is again a weird prospect to have yeah uh he's he got slimmer he worked on his defense the Rays were working him at third base uh, you know everything was pointed in the right direction he's deserving of a major league opportunity i know i've kind of turned this into a rant about what nate low is but uh, this was the time to cash him in because you don't need that 40 man roster spot being taken up by Nate Lowe. When you have G-Man Choi, you're committed to G-Man Choi. You cannot move G-Man Choi. The fan base would be upset if you moved G-Man Choi. And also other players could step in and play first base beyond Yandy Diaz. You could slot in Mike Brasso. Uh, so wow. it makes perfect sense to take, uh, yeah, <laughs> Brandon Lau, not Nate Lowe. So, Break Nate Lowe into three pieces, get some prospects back, very reasonable outcome, and the Rays needed to do it eventually, and they figured it out during the winter meetings, which is what you'd expect. Yeah, once they made the decision to tender a contract to G-Man Choi, I thought this is the road we were headed down. Yeah, they could have kept Nate Lowe for one more year, but there was really no real need to. Like you said, he was taking up a roster spot. They just added his brother, Josh Lowe, to the 40-man roster, so it sucks that they won't get to play together, at least not with the Rays. But I think another case is like similar to Jake Cronenworth, a very good player is just not going to get the at-bats or the innings with the Rays. It shows mm-hmm. how good the Rays are. And so I think Nate Lowe, yeah, like you said, he's got well, value. He can great go point, to Texas. great point. Jake Cronenworth, perfect example of what you can do at first base. Yeah. <laughs> the first baseman was hurt for the Padres. You call in your shortstop prospect to fill the void. And then when you're rolling, well, you don't really have an opening at shortstop, but you can use a shortstop prospect at second base instead uh, moving forward in the second half. So yeah, first base needs to be a very flexible option in 2020 or 2021. Let's talk about Heriberto Hernandez, the number one prospect, not the number one prospect, but the biggest prospect coming over to the Rays in this deal we mentioned that he's listed as a catcher slash outfielder not the most common uh set of positions but he's more known for his bat he's shown some really strong power great bat speed talk to me about uh heriberto hernandez and and how you think he fits into this raise prospect uh the raise farm system yeah the narrative for this hernandez which is not to be confused with ronaldo hernandez the other catching prospect who was already in the raise system Heriberto Hernandez, um, the the narrative on him is short arms, but in-game power. And so what is meant by that is you typically see really long arms from power hitters. They've got a big swing. If you want a textbook case, think of Vlad Guerrero Jr. Mm -hmm. He's got really long arms, like his father before him, who was a great hitter. If you're building a power hitter in in the lab, you don't start with T-Rex arms, for instance. Now, I don't know his arm length. I haven't seen enough clear video. I'm not super familiar with Heriberto Hernandez. uh, And the prospect community, the writing community, Baseball America, Fangraphs, Baseball Perspectives, are somewhat divided on what he is. But it's undeniable that his power potential is real. And it's undeniable that it's already showing in games. And that is a big difference maker when you're dealing with a young prospect. Because typically... It's uh, he's got light tower power and we'll see if it translates into games and in very short opportunities hit, he's hitting double digit home runs in games already. That's a very impressive thing. Uh, That sort of in-game performance leads a site like Fangraphs to say, this is maybe the second best prospect in the Rangers system. And based on the Rays uh, trading for him with a pretty good piece like Nate Lowe, 
they seem to agree with the Rangers on that. Or the Rangers are bluffing and they're happy another organization feels that way. Uh, in either case, the Rays certainly trust this in-game power. His position, as you mentioned, not exactly clear. Is he a catcher? Well, the Rangers used him all over the place. They tried him out in the outfield. They tried him at first base. They tried him at catcher. At this stage of his career, which is young, you're not up to double A yet when you're trying to get to the major league. It's okay. You know, maybe the Rangers had other catchers that they were trying out of the position and they were just getting him into games. It would not surprise me if the, at that low level, the minors, you've got five dudes that are trying to get timeshares at catcher. So I don't know the exact situation. I will try to ask around Uh, thus far. I've not gotten a really clear answer. Also the Rays are not sure they'll put him through the ringer and decide if he's a catcher or not. I think they don't care. Ultimately he's far enough away that you're buying into the in-game power that already exists. Yeah, I don't. I think it's. I think we got to make it clear that this is not the next guy in line in terms of Rays catching prospects. You look at some of the guys they have already: Ronaldo Hernandez, Chris Betts. Yes, Hernandez, Roberto Hernandez, uh, might end up being a catcher at the big league level. He might not be, and that's really not the reason the Rays traded for him, though. Like you said, it's it's the potential in the bat. They also got, and I and I don't want to botch this name, Oslavis Basabe, a twenty-year-old shortstop, and Alexander Avales, another twenty-year-old outfielder. Two guys that, I mean, again, the data is not super clear of, you know, how these guys are going to pan out, uh, as with as the case with most prospects at this young age. But two pretty nice pieces the Rays got back showed that Nate Lowe did indeed have some value. Maybe not as, val- as much value as the Rays initially hoped or kind of had a pipe dream that he could uh, be a, pot- a potential piece in a bigger move. But all in all, I think Rays fans should be happy with this trade. Uh, we, we won't know how these players turn out for a few more years. But that's, it. Just that's exactly get... why you get players that have decent opportunity that are far from the majors, but are projectable in some of their tools. These are young players. These are toolsy players. And all three of them have lots of paths to value to mm-hmm. adding, uh, you know, quality talent, both to the organization and maybe even at the major league level. And if you're going to break Nate Lowe into several pieces, this is what you want. You want players that look like they have more than one opportunity to make it to the majors. Um, yeah. You're not acquiring a pitcher who's already destined to a relief role in a ball, right? <laughs> uh, you're getting players that you think have a lot of open-ended opportunity and that are not going to clog your system in 2021, 20, 2022. Uh, I think this was, a decent get if you needed to turn Nate Lowe into other things and they need that roster spot. They do. They do. And uh, let's real quick before we wrap up today, rule five draft biggest news out of that Rays lose former Clemson tiger, former 21st round pick Paul Campbell to the Miami Marlins. Were you, were you shocked by this? And uh, what are your thoughts on Campbell as a prospect? I mean, I'm happy to see what Campbell's got. He is a decent pitching prospect. Is he ready to be a starter at the major league level? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, Are the Marlins going to be happy that they got a quality pitcher who is at AAA and and maybe make the same thing happen? Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens for him. Sometimes these Rule 5 drafts grab a pitcher who is, I mean, take one of the Rays of acquired in the past, Kevin Gadea. There's an A-ball pitcher. We're going to pull him in the Rule 5 draft. We're going to plug him in at the major league level and see what he can offer. 
<laughs> well, he blows his arm out and it doesn't go very well. And that's so frequently the case. You know, that works for catchers too. Oscar Hernandez was a raised catcher. People had their hopes pinned on. He got taken in the Rule 5 draft by the Diamondbacks and it kind of falls apart for him. That's a very frequent narrative. Paul Campbell is close enough to the major leagues that he should not be shipwrecked by being pulled into the major league roster. Now, he was not one of the top 10 <laughs> young pitchers that the Rays were targeting at the major league level because the system is deep. So I'm happy for him. I think this is a great opportunity. And, you know, if it doesn't work out in the major league portion of the Rule 5 draft, uh, if you can't keep him in the majors, you return him to his original team. So the Rays have an opportunity to take him back if, you know, it wasn't ready. So if a middle case scenario, so best case scenario for the player is he sticks in the majors. Good for him. Middle case would be he got a major league opportunity and then he gets returned to the race system. That would be right. good too. Worst case scenario is that uh, it jacks with his career. And I really hope that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Also Rays lose Matt Crook in the minor league. I know you're going back to your favorite trade, the Evan Longoria trade. Uh, Matt Crook <laughs> so here's my question. Who won the Evan Longoria trade? I think the is Yankees it the did. Red Sox who have Christian Arroyo or is it the Yankees who pulled <laughs> uh, Crook off of the Rays roster? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, I'm not worried about that one. Uh, any players at the Rays brought in maybe Jordan Brink from the Cardinals that, that interest you? Yeah. Baseball America highlighted him velocities up. He's doing some good things. Uh, it seems to be the case of relievers getting pulled for the majority of this minor league quote unquote version of the rule five draft. And the way that works is you have the major league portion where you say these players, you cannot take from me unless you put them in your major league roster. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else is free. So the Rays made some level of protection uh, for the major league portion, but in the minor league section, there's other minor league players, often relievers who are available for the taking Ryan Thompson, who pitched meaningful innings for the Rays in the world series. Let's <sighs> consider that uh, was a minor league rule five draft selection. So Brink, maybe he's got something, maybe he doesn't. Uh, it's an exciting piece. Baseball America wrote about it and we put some details on the site. Uh, if you want to see his Rhapsodo, that's on Twitter. Um, it's hard to say what's real when people just throw stats on Twitter. So I'm interested to hear what the Rays coaches think of him once he's in-house. Yeah, I know we're, we're kind of going rapid fire through the news here, a real quick episode. We, we're talking about the minor leagues. Uh, you look at the new affiliates. So the Charleston River Dogs are added as the new low-A affiliate. The Charlotte Stone Crabs are no longer affiliated with the Rays. I don't even know if they're going to exist anymore. Uh, with being that they, the Rays are still going to be playing spring training in Port Charlotte, but the Rays are now have four affiliated teams. They keep Char or they bring in Charleston. They keep Bowling Green, keep Montgomery, and keep Durham. Um, just now that I figured, since we we're talking about minor league pitchers, might as well mention the Rays minor league affiliates. But Danny, before we go today, this is probably going to be one of our last podcasts before we take our little holiday break here coming up. The Rays made a move today, and they made a move last week, so things are starting to happen. Is there any player or group of players that you have on your holiday wish list that you would like to see the Rays <laughs> bring in that we can talk about after the holidays on our next podcast? Um, yeah, Santa baby, bring me Tyler Flowers. I would really love him just bundled up right under the tree, ready to take a 50 to 60% timeshare of catching and solidify that for the Rays when they think they are going to be World Series contenders again. I would love that. Uh, also maybe a starting pitcher and i'm not going to be picky 
I just want someone who's a three. Give me a number three in the rotation so we can go Snell, Glass now, X. Uh, there are so many question marks out there around pricing. You know, uh, I would love it if Chris Archer were somehow a Ray again. I know that's been a popular topic on the podcast and I'll just throw a bone or throw, throw, uh, throw my hat in that ring, if you will. Um, I think that would be a really fun reunion. I think the race coaching staff knows him well. He's also returning from injury mm-hmm. and it's a really serious injury. So is that uh, a minor league deal with some money guaranteed? Is that all he can get? Or is some other team going to say, I'm willing to give Chris Archer $8 million at which point, um, you know, we think the injury is not a concern. If Chris Archer were not hurt, $8 million is a very reasonable outcome for him. I don't think the Rays spend that. Uh, if it's $4 million, the Rays should, and it's really confusing. Um, but the biggest thing I would like for Christmas, if I were to dream, if I were to cast that vision out there, Mike Trout, just bring him right <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I would love to see the Rays actually um, pull off a three-team deal. I want to see a three-team deal where the Rays are winners. And I put one on Twitter recently that I loved. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity with Cleveland Yes. to maybe dip our toes into that pool because they need outfielders and the Rays have too many. And they've got some pieces that maybe the Rays don't want, unless it's Jose Ramirez, in which case, of course, you take one of the best <laughs> hitters in baseball. I think Cleveland is an open opportunity for a three-team deal. Find another trade partner who can make things happen between the three of you, who likes what Cleveland has, because I think Cleveland likes what the Rays have. Yeah. And the Rays have plenty of needs. So find a third dance partner. Bring me a three-team deal for Christmas. That's what I want. I want something compelling, and I want something interesting. I, I like that. I'm going to roll with you. I'm going to take Chris Archer. He is on my holiday wish list. One, because I think he could still be a really good pitcher. Two, he was one of the Rays' best players in some of the years where the Rays were not very good. And I would love to see him be on a more competitive, winning Rays team and, and get to go on a, on a deep postseason run with the team that he ultimately made his big league debut with and had some really good seasons with. So, Chris Archer, you're on the top of my holiday list uh, because my my last wish, Lance Lynn, was dealt to the Chicago White Sox less than 24 <laughs> hours after we dropped the podcast. But, Danny, thank you for hopping on. Uh, it was a real fun, rapid-fire news episode. Might have some more podcasts, maybe one more podcast before we get into the holidays and we, we take a couple weeks off. But, but Danny, thanks for hopping on. Absolutely. Hey, I had one more Rule 5 uh, thought for you. Go for it. I was really happy to see a great outcome for a pitcher who was caught up in Ray's uh, Rule 5 drama in the past. So that was Sam McWilliams. Uh, yes. Sam McWilliams uh, got picked up by the Royals in the Rule 5 draft, and he came back mild, if you will. This is a mm-hmm. tall pitcher, six foot seven, uh, known for his athleticism on the mound. He it didn't roll out with the Royals and he comes back and who can blame him just wasn't showing up the same. And I just so related to that experience. Imagine being a minor league pitcher, living the dream, getting called up to the major league level because another team believed on you and then you could not deliver for them. And so they send you back and the Rays put you in the minor leagues where you need to be. Mm. Right. And you have an eight ERA in at the triple a level when you come back and the athleticism just isn't there anymore. 
Um, I felt good for him. I thought that was uh, one of those worst case scenarios for a rule five uh, draft pick. And the New York Mets have signed Sam McMilliams to a major league deal. Yes. Good for Sam. I, I've always liked him. I mean, I liked him. 2020 must have been good to him. And uh, they were willing to invest in him early in the offseason to kind of lock him in. And at a minimum, I'm just I'm just happy to see it. You know, that's yeah. great for a race prospect that we followed. And uh, it's good for him. Yeah, definitely. And he's in the National League, too. So he can't hurt us, at least not for most <laughs> of the season. Um, but that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you once again to Danny for hopping on. Thank you for everyone who listened. If you would like all of these podcast episodes downloaded directly to your device, Make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. And as always, make sure to head on over to theraisebay.com to check out all of the great off-season coverage on the site. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.